Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 431. And we're recording live on Wednesday, uh, September the 11th. And uh, yeah, uh, Abriana, how are you? What's happening? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I was thinking, isn't 431 a double play? It is. Okay. All right. See, look at you on the baseball stuff. All right. <laughs> I was like, please don't be wrong. We're starting the show over. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> You're all good. You're all good. Can't have that. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, you know. It's, uh, it's been like super busy and um, everything that we're doing here, which we'll talk about soon, sooner rather than later. But, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you doing? You got a lot of stuff going on this week. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a, it's a big week for us with the, uh, with the new company. Um, obviously you're coming into town, uh, tomorrow into Toronto, uh, as we have a board meeting, uh, several other folks. So it'll, it, it'll be a good day. It'll be a, an interesting day to get all your, your input and feedback on what we're building. So, uh, excited about that. Um, on the LVMA front, lots of stuff going on too. We just announced our, uh, uh, we're running a, um, a conference in uh, our Japan chapter in Tokyo, uh, October 25th. Um, that's going to be a big deal. Um, you know, we're expecting uh, on the scale of, of our retail local events or bigger. Um, so excited about that. Um, and, um, you know, where, where we could be going with that. And obviously retail loco itself is just around the corner now, October 21, 22 in Atlanta. Uh, Tickets are available. If you don't have one, go get one. Um, we're just finalizing the agenda and the speakers right now, uh, the next week. So uh, we're adding uh, to, to the agenda all the time. Um, so lots of exciting things happening. Uh, just got guests coming to speak. Uh, um, we've got, uh, I think, TGI Friday is coming. Uh, I think we've got uh, some interesting brands that we haven't had before. Um, participating this year. So I'm kind of excited about that. Georgia Pacific local company there in Atlanta has never participated and they're participating. So yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be, uh, it'll be a, a good event. I'm excited about it. So uh, come hear all about it at Retail Loco. Yeah. yeah. All right. For, for, yeah. Yeah. For our show this week, um, three industry news stories, three member news stories. Uh, we absolutely have a guest next week. I, I know that because I'm recording uh, the interview later this week. Um, but uh, just the regular show this week, and I'll let Abriana start us off. All right. So we're going to, I think, Indiana, of all places, to start with. Um, and this is a company called Vibenomics. And um, they're an AOOH, which is audio out of home uh, company. And basically what they do is they partner up with um, retailers or, or stores that have physical locations um, and advertisers. And what they do is they provide uh, music with obviously advertising uh, in between. And so they are connecting advertisers with shoppers that are already in stores, already out like in these physical brick and mortar locations. Um, and they're connecting the two. So they have, um, they, they claim they have a reach of 150 million shoppers in the U S across 4,000 different stores. Um, 
not different stores, 4,000 locations, I should say. Uh, but basically, you know, they're paying the locations or, you know, generating additional revenue for these locations by bringing in advertising and they're giving advertisers opportunities to um, reach people that they know are already spending money. Um, you know, I think this is a very interesting concept to me. There were some things that I had questions about, like I wonder what kind of stipulations they have in place in terms of, um, for example, you know, Macy's may not want to be advertising uh, in Target or, you know, you may have to make sure that things are that are being advertised are not necessarily competitive. Um, so I'd love to know a little bit more like what they're doing in terms of like, what are the parameters? How do they set that up? How do they make sure that it's contextually relevant um, and, you know, effective for the advertisers? But overall, I think this is a, you know, a good idea. Brick and mortar locations are con constantly looking to, I guess, um, kind of diversify their revenue generation. And we've seen that fluctuate very much so over the past, you know, probably 10 years as online shopping has become more and more of a thing. And so what else can they do to kind of increase that revenue? And this maybe is something. So I'd love to know other things like what are the metrics that Vibenomics can provide? How do they track this? You know, what other data are they leveraging? And so, um, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for some of the many companies that we work with at the LVMA to partner up with Vibenomics to provide some metrics around, um, hey, they were at the store and then they actually went to the store and we know your advertisement was playing. Um, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, we have a friend, Trip, who has a, a, a small digital out-of-home uh, company that uh, my husband, you know, has his own wellness sort of uh, retail location, and we have one of their, you know, digital billboards, basically like a television that runs advertising as well as interesting trivia and things of that nature. And, um, you know, we're always looking at, like, well, what's the metrics of this? Like, who's driving people where? And how do you, you know, provide accurate measurement? Obviously, when you have 4,000 locations, that's a little easier to do and scale than, you know, I don't know, 100 locations. But um, I think this is really interesting. And um, the one missing piece for me is, like, how do you measure it? And, you know, what are the, what are the measurement um, analytics look like? But um, interesting concept, Vibenomics. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. First of all, I I, uh, I like the name. I think it's uh, I think it's, it's it's cool. It's interesting, um, you know. And uh, for me, here's the challenges I have with this. I think the idea of um, of uh, audio in in an out of home setting in a store setting uh, makes a ton of sense, right? I think that. Um, there's huge value in that. At the LBMA, we talk about all sorts of media uh, engagement in location. Obviously, that's at the core of what we do. Um, and we've worked with a number of companies over the years. Obviously, one of our most active members in this space being Mood Media, who's a regular sponsor and, and participant at our retail local conferences and um, bringing a lot of their clients and such. But, you know, I, I think that... Um, the interesting thing for me here is is that is the point that you made. I think about the metrics, and so if I if I think about some of the work that we've been involved in with guys like Shazam, for example, over the years in the audio space, where you know you've got uh, audio signals embedded in TV commercials that people can pick up in their living rooms through the app uh, for you know say an Old Navy commercial or a Coca Cola commercial or whatever, and then storing that data so that when somebody's out in the physical world, uh, you know, in a store, in an old Navy store, let's say that, you know, whatever the offer was that they saw the TV commercial for the audio signal, uh, that stored that there triggers some sort of experience. Um, you know, because it can, it, it's logged that, uh, you know, that, that clip, if you will, and then it can kind of create a pop-up. Hey, remember you saw this, now you're here, 
here's something. So, so I think getting metrics in that sense, in terms of the continuity of uh, engagement or along the shopper journey, I think is really uh, the game here. And, but that doesn't, you know, that's not to say, I guess for me that I think there's massive value in creating the right mood, creating the right vibe, creating the right experience uh, and using audio to do that in these environments. I think the question then becomes, okay, can you then turn what is a mass media into a one-to-one -one media in those environments, right? And we have the same conversation, you know, when we work with JC Deco or, you know, Clear Channel or whoever in Out of Home, and increasingly they're finding ways to do that, right? To personalize the content, to personalize the ad, uh, you know, and, and to localize it based on time of day or the weather data or other things that are going on. So for me, that's kind of where you need to go in this day and age in, in terms of if you're, if you're launching a platform in today's world, um, I think that it needs to have those capabilities. And so um, that's what I'm looking for in this. But uh, love the name, love the, you know, the market that they're going after. Um, and so I'm with you. I think the challenge is, is metrics, personalization, localization uh, of content and, uh, kind of figuring that out. So there you go. All right. All right. On to our second story now. So, um, we're going to shift completely out of that world into the world of location based gaming. Now, everybody I think on the planet is, is familiar with, uh, Pokemon go that was, you know, kind of the big phenomenon, uh, couple of years ago. Uh, Pokemon Go is, is a product of a company called Niantic Labs, uh, which spun out of Google um, some time ago. And, um, you know, these guys are kind of the behemoth, if you will, in the location-based gaming space. And they're, they're, they've been working on other games since. Uh, we've talked about um, more recently, uh, there was a, uh, my son plays Minecraft, uh, along with a lot of his friends. They've announced a location-based physical world version of Minecraft as well. And so there's this huge movement towards, you know, how do you take gaming and layering it on top of the physical world, the, the, you know, the real locations, real buildings, real brands, um, and so on. And so this guy named Sammy Khan, no relation to me that I'm aware of, um, has uh, launched a new company called uh, Cerberus Interactive. Um, and, uh, and they're going, uh, you know, after uh, the neantics of the world and trying to reinvent how location-based gaming is done. Uh, you know, basically, he, he believes, his, his, you know, to quote him specifically, he says, uh, is that uh, games are closer in his mind to digital apps than they were back in the days when they were on consoles. And we need to start shipping them like e-commerce concepts. And we need to involve uh, gamers in the development, in the testing uh, in an iterative way, uh, as we build these games, um, to make them, you know, what, what the gamer actually wants. And, and so he's actually launched, you know, his first game in the marketplace. Uh, and he's got, you know, people actually paying to, 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 to give feedback on this thing. And it's sort of like, it's, it's like crowdfunding and game development all at the same time. Um, so really, really interesting approach in reinventing how gaming is done and all, uh, oriented around location-based physical world, uh, digital gaming. Um, so obviously there's a lot of intersection between, you know, what you can do on the mobile device and ultimately where we go with things like AR and VR and some of the other, uh, capabilities we've talked about. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, um, because for too long, uh, this idea of location-based gaming has kind of been like its own little 
subcategory, you know, underneath the bigger world of gaming. But I think if you can start to find uh, ways to uh, leverage, you know, the assets of the physical world, leverage some of these other technologies, you can truly, you know, make it its own thing. And uh, so anyways, um, Cerberus has launched, uh, the game's called Atlas Empires, uh, is what they're uh, what they're building, and they're, like I said, they're building this in concert with other uh, with gamers already who are paying uh, to to play and to and to give feedback, um, and uh, and they've got some pretty serious investors behind the company too, uh, Mobilityware, uh, as well as Steve Huffman, uh, who's the fa- um, co-founder of Reddit, uh, and Blake Chandler, uh, who's uh, one of the founders of uh, of TikTok. So. Uh, so a lot of, you know, a lot of big pedigree and money be coming in behind this thing. So I think it's really interesting. Already 50,000 downloads, um, a thousand daily players, uh, on the, on the beta version essentially, uh, of this and they're planning to go commercial, um, first quarter next year. Well, I think there's, there's so much like meat to the story and there's so much going on in this industry. Um, it's really interesting how we've seen. Um, like you talked about a little bit, but the games coming off the console into the real world and like merging those things. Um, and it, what it, what I think is really cool is that there's so many opportunities for, for testing, for, um, feedback, for a conversation and community around this because the gaming industry and the gaming community is huge. And because it's mostly virtual, um, now they're like bringing that virtual and community aspect in together. Right. I mean, even here in Atlanta, I know they've, they have like an Atlanta gaming team. Um, you know, it's like a league, right. They're part of a league and they, they play, I don't even, I mean, this concept to me is like kind of foreign, but I, but then we've also see, seen things with, um, I mean, even things that are like a little bit further removed from this, but like, uh, think about sports betting, online gambling and gaming and bringing that into like virtual sports, right? So we're seeing these, these different things that have been very separated and very, um, you know, siloed, I guess, uh, industries over the, the past and we're seeing them merge together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I love to see this type of application. I think it's interesting. And if you can get kids that are playing games out of the house and drive them to do things or move their bodies while they're interacting with um, their mind. I think it's a great blend of things and I think it challenges different parts of the brain. So, you know, from like a parental standpoint, I think it's really exciting too that they're, they're doing things like this. Um, and then I think the, the revenue generation side of it is, is really got a lot of upside as well because you've got companies like, um, you know, McDonald's and, and those types of companies that have done a lot with, with games over the years, they did things, um, you, you know, you mentioned obviously Pokemon go, I think they did something there. They did something with, while you were in the restaurant, you could, um, activate new levels of what was it? Um, angry Angry birds. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like you, there's a lot of opportunities to drive traffic to locations, um, like McDonald's that makes sense. And then there's opportunities for those advertising and, and retargeting and all of that. So, um, I think this is really like, it's an exciting place to be in. I wish I, I almost like wish I was a gamer or, you know, a little more involved with it because I think there's so much cool movement, um, that's going on in that, but yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Yeah. And I think for me too, as you move more into, you know, we see more and more of these kind of location based games that are layered on the physical world. I think it also creates a lot of opportunities from a funding perspective and from a, revenue perspective in terms of engaging brands, engaging retailers, engaging restaurant chains, you know, to kind of 
showcase, you know, their brands in the game showcase, you know, whether you think about that as product placement or whatever, however you want to look at that. The reality is, is these games are sitting on top of the physical world. And I think there's a lot of monetization opportunities that exist there. I would love to have that kind of a conversation, like, you know, location-based gaming at, at something like our retail local conference where these brands are there and, and, and kind of see if we, you know, what that conversation looks like in terms of what are brands looking for and what are the gaming platforms prepared to do and, and kind of what's the intersection there. So that could be fascinating at one of our uh, future events. So, yeah. All right. Let's make it happen. All right, so we're back with another airline story. Um, you know, we had the, the story last week, I believe, about Spirit, um, who was allowing reservation booking through WhatsApp. And when I first read the story, I'm like, oh, is this a clap back to what Spirit's doing? But it's probably not. Um, but Southwest Airline is now allowing customers to pay using Apple Pay. Um, so basically, they've teamed up with a company called Cellpoint Digital and UATP to let customers buy tickets using Apple Pay. Now, what's interesting about this is UATP is an airline-owned entity. It's like a payment network. It's owned by 32 different, um, 32 airline shareholders and issued by 26 major airlines. So, you know, this is not something that's really exclusive to Southwest. Obviously, there's other airlines that can participate. Um, but to me, what I love about this story is like, this is so effective because you make buying something like an airline ticket an impulse buy. The, the, the things that are like super easy to just double click and you know, you've purchased it, whether it's through your fingerprint or your face or whatever, um, it just, you know, it saves that one minute trip to go get your wallet and get your credit card out and, and you know, and then the, the hassle of having to enter in all the details because that gives consumers time to think and process. Do I really need to buy this? Is it too expensive? Should I wait? Should I look? Should I shop around? Um, all that, you know, that you can just process in a, in a millisecond that, you know, now you're just kind of cutting that out. So I definitely think that this is so effective um, because I, I really think that it's going to just drive up conversion rates very, very quickly. Um, longer term, you can know that there's over 350 partners that are working with this type of a play. So there's like major global wallets like Apple Pay, Visa Checkout, WeChat Pay, Alipay, Google Pay, all the big players are playing in the pay space with the airlines. Um, so I think this is really, you know, this to me, like the more frictionless you can make a process, the higher conversion rate you're going to have. Um, and then also I think that it just eliminates the times where you have clients and customers that are thinking, um, you know, instead of just making that quick purchase, like, yes, I want to go, I'm going to do it. Um, so there's not really a ton more to this story. I think that it's effective. It makes sense. Um, and I expect that we'll continue to see more and more, you know, whether it's airlines or travel or, uh, you know, brands, um, even like via social, like we'll consider to see this Apple pay option, like buy now, um, just continue to drive, drive up. Yeah. You know, you know, what was interesting for me in this story, I, I mean, I'm completely with you. I think, uh, great for Southwest for being the first to kind of embrace this, you know, I think that idea of, removing friction and making it easy for people to pay, you know, regardless of, of what, what digital wallet it is, I think is, is brilliant. It makes it, it makes a ton of sense. 
what was news to me is I didn't even know this UATP uh, organization was out there, right? Like, I mean, obviously in our world, we're, we're very familiar with guys like, you know, the MCX initiative that, you know, Walmart and all the retail merchants tried to put together as their payment network or things like Alliance Data or, you know, um, some of the other processors out there uh, that have these network plays. But I didn't know there was there was one uh, that was kind of linking the uh, the airlines together in, into a payment uh, ecosystem. So that's really cool. That's interesting. It um, is cool. I mean, I really thought it was just Southwest owned. And then I was like, let me go check out this UATP and dig in a little bit more. And then I found out it's like, there's a lot of airlines and stakeholders that are involved here. So they've put a lot of thought into this. It's like this. the inner workings of an industry, right? Like that, that yeah. you just like, unless you're in it, I guess you, you, you have no reason to know that, but you know, that that's really cool. And, and I think that, you know, now that I'm aware of that, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think about, okay, well, you know, what, uh, how do you, how do you start to build like loyalty platforms and other, other pieces on top of this, right? In terms of leveraging the payment network that, that exists there across these different airlines, right? And especially when you think about it in the context of, um, you know, things like Star Alliance or, you know, other, you know, sort of these programs that, you know, have groups of airlines that belong to them, you know, are there ways to drive more transactions uh, across a payment network like this? Um, you know, if you can pull those aspects into it. So, so it's almost like one of those things where now that I know about it, I'm sitting here like brainstorming and I'm going like, wow, like, you know, there's, what else can we do? <laughs> yeah, if this, if this was more known, it, it, like in the industry, like with other partners, with other like members within our network and folks like that, that we have, like, I think there's, there's a lot of collaboration that could happen here. Right. Um, you know, think about, um, integrations between payment platforms uh, like this and digital signage in airports. Think about, you know, like, uh, like JC Deco has a massive network in the airport uh, world, like, uh, or being able to tap things, you know, on screens uh, and facilitate transactions through this same network. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's transaction fees, there's all this stuff that's flowing through. So it's in their best interest to find more ways to, to utilize it. So I like, I'm, my mind's going like wild right now in terms of ideas <laughs> now, that, now that I'm aware of these guys. So, um, yeah, I think this is cool. Like, so good for Southwest for kind of jumping on this and looking forward to seeing other airlines kind of, uh, embrace the, uh, the digital wallet, um, you know, growth that's, that's happening. So cool. Interesting story. All right. Uh, so shifting out of our industry news portion of the show and into what some of our members uh, at the LVMA are up to, uh, we'll start. I'll start this part off with a, a story about Bliss. Um, so our good friends at Bliss have teamed up with Location Sciences, another uh, big player in the location data world. And you know we've talked a lot uh, over the last year in particular uh, about the quality of location data and the accuracy of location data. Uh, and that's really what these guys have teamed up around. So they, they basically uh, are announcing what they're calling the, the first global location intelligence uh, partnership around independent verification uh, of data quality. Um, and so, you know, I think this is, this is interesting. So, you know, location data quality, uh, is, is an issue in our industry. As I said, uh, it's something we, we hear about a lot from, from brands, from agencies, from media buyers. Um, there's a lot of bad data. There's a lot of fake data. There's a lot of, um, 
just poor quality data. A lot of it depends on the source of where it's coming from or if it's user generated or sensor generated or where, you know, where it's coming from. So, uh, so I think it's, you know, I think it's great that these kinds of companies are teaming up. Um, you know, they're, they're not merging or anything. They're just kind of, uh, you know, putting their uh, collective horsepower together uh, to, you know, to, to address the issue of transparency and data integrity uh, in the advertising industry. Um, and, um, yeah, so basically, you know, it's, it's leveraging the location sciences verify product, uh, is what it's called. And then, uh, connecting that up to, uh, you know, the validation business of bliss. Um, so I don't have a lot more to say about it, but I, but I think these are two good companies that are, you know, kind of working together for, for the better of our industry. Yeah. You know, what I really like about, um, a company like location sciences is that they, just are in essence providing a service, right? They are an agnostic provider just to say like, hey, we're just gonna measure the effectiveness of this, but we're not necessarily, like they're not trying to sell the media or buy the media or um, even sell, like from my understanding, they're not necessarily trying to like sell location data. They're just trying to verify the accuracy and the efficacy of what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because you know, you you think about a lot of brands and um, agencies and retailers that are that are throwing money left and right at placing ads at um, using location data at trying to make sure that they're targeting the right audience and it's a pain point because a lot of times it's like the metrics or the transparency or the clarity that they have of what was effective and what wasn't is pretty slim right so um, I think that this is like it's a, it is a good partnership. It makes sense uh, that the two of them are working together. And, um, you know, I expect that we'll see more of these types of things uh, popping up in the future. So. Excellent. All right, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Um, so they have launched mobile checkout payments in New York City. And this is kind of interesting to me because 7-Eleven is not necessarily like, um, it's not really a, a high-end store, right? You're talking about you're getting your Slurpees, like your corn dogs, whatever, mm -hmm. your coffee, snack. Um, and this is what's cool about this whole thing is that if you have the 7-Eleven app and you are a loyalty member, their loyalty program is called uh, Seven Rewards. You can actually just skip the counter, pay via the app, and leave the store. Um, so this is available for pretty much every product that has any barcode on it. Uh, any of their barcoded merchandise, you can just scan your candy bar and scoot on out of there. Um, and I like this. I think this is like a great idea. Anything that can make it more seamless, less of a waiting time, because sometimes you're in a hurry and you just need to grab something, but you see like six people standing in line in front of you and that deters you from making that purchase. So this kind of goes back again to what I was saying with Southwest, like it makes it more frictionless. Um, and they have this available via iOS and Android. You can link it with Apple Pay, Google Pay, credit or debit card. So they make it really easy for you to set it up and use. My only thought when I, you know, I love the concept. My one thought was like, I want to see this in action because New York City, people walking into a 7-Eleven and just walking out, like how does the cashier know that they paid via the app? Like how, you know, I feel like if I did that, somebody's calling the police on me. Like, I don't know, but... <laughs> I just want to see this in action. It's a little different for me from like an Amazon Go store, right? Because everybody's paying in the same way when they come in there, basically. I mean, even though now they're saying they have to accept cash, the majority of people are coming in there and they're paying one way, which is via their, you know, their Amazon app. This is like, you've got a lot more 
um, quick interactions going on. And so I don't know, I just want to know like how, how do they know what's going on behind the scenes, but from a concept, from, um, an ease of use from driving revenue, uh, quick conversions, you know, easier just to get in and out, you know, what you want and you can just get in and scan it and get out of the store. Um, I love this story and, and 7-Eleven is always doing innovative stuff. So this is just another example of it. Yeah, I, I agree completely with the last point. I mean, these guys are constantly trying, constantly testing. They're one of the most innovative, uh, you know, users uh, of technology for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's as more and more of these kind of quick uh, convenience type of retail uh, stores, this category of stores uh, tries to go automated, tries to kind of look at Amazon Go. And, you know, I know... Uh, one of the stories we've got for next week we're going to talk about is Albert Hein, which is a similar kind of store over in, in our Dutch operations, is also launched their own sort of self-checkout kind of store. Um, you know, there, there's a movement around this, right? And, and I think it goes back to the first story that you were talking about this morning, which is, you know, it's about removing friction. It's about convenience. It's about making things easy for people. Um, same as Apple Pay uh, is doing with Southwest, you know. Um, so, so I, I get all that. I, I, you know, I think there is some risk here in, in, uh, in potential um, loss uh, of revenue if people walk out and, and aren't scanning. So, so I, I wonder, you know, how that works. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, somebody could walk in and walk out with nothing. The app obviously can see that they've been there and things like that. Uh, somebody could walk in, pick up some products, not scan the QR code. Uh, so, that there's, there's a lot of elements to this unlike with amazon go where there's sensors and cameras and all those other things that are um you know picking up other pieces of data uh sorry uh it's a late night um and um so uh yeah you know You've with this story um, already <laughs> so, see, so, so there's definitely a risk here so I, I wonder what the the guys at the loss prevention department at 7-eleven are, are thinking about this in terms of how they're handling this right <laughs> um but um yeah I, I think you know i think i think it's it, it's neat to try and experiment new york's an interesting place to do it in um you know of all places so um yeah yeah we'll see i mean i i is it easier for people to do the work themselves of, you know, in, in contrast to say an Amazon go experience where, you know, you, you have the app, pull out the app, scan the barcode, scan the QR code on the way out the door, you, you know, uh, in, in this, in a lot of ways, it's not that different than, you know, self checkout at home Depot or Walmart or, or those kinds of things. It's, it's about, I think it's more about removing the cost of the staffing element than it is uh, about, um, you know, making it seamless for the, for the customer in this case, right? Uh, whereas Amazon Go truly is seamless, right? Like it's, you pick it up, you know, everything's logged, it's automatically, you know, built, you know, uh, you don't have to, to, to do a lot there. So um, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I think it's a, it's, it's a good sort of hybrid uh, step on the way to, you know, full automation. So that's all I got to say about it. So, all right, our final member news story uh, this week is about our friends at Unicast. So we haven't talked about these guys for a while. Uh, you might remember these guys are big player in location data. Originally uh, came out of Norway, uh, then uh, became a U.S. headquartered company out of New York. 
um, and you know have been kind of trying to build what, what they call the real world graph for a long time in terms of understanding uh, on the basis of location data the physical movements and demographics of, of the of the, con the global consumer um, and so uh, they've been at this for a long time uh, and uh, for about a year now they've been working on a new product uh, which they announced last week uh, that they called turbine and it, it's built as a platform as a service company uh, adding to their existing um, uh, lineup of offerings and so essentially what they're saying is look you know lots of companies out there are sitting on uh, their own location data um, I, I know I had this conversation with coca-cola some years ago they've got a lot of location data about where all their product is sold uh, what stores it's in what restaurants it's in what vending machines it's in and so this is all location data, um, but they have no way to sort of unlock that, to, to monetize that, to find value in that uh, very easily anyways. Um, and so that's kind of what Turbine uh, and what Unicast is trying to say is, look, you know, we've got, you know, a platform that uh, can ingest all of that stuff and then start to help you create value, help you to create products um, on top of your own kind of location data. They announced this. Uh, in partnership with the first customer uh, on the platform uh, in Europe, which is Telia, the uh, the big uh, mobile operator uh, there. It's also a move back to Europe for them in a lot of ways, uh, being you know having focused a lot on the U.S. market for the last number of years. It originally being from Norway, as I said, this kind of brings them almost full circle back into Europe. They raised uh, over about seventeen and a half million dollars last year, and part of the whole sort of premise of that was to invest uh, and do R&D in Europe. Uh, and so this kind of proves that out um, with this announcement. They've been working on this product, as I said, for almost a year now. And uh, so I think it's interesting, right? I think it, it, it's, it's, I think there's a lot to be said if, if companies, big corporations in particular can, can start to realize, look, you know, we have an asset in location geocoded data sitting inside of our companies. Uh, and we're looking for ways to, to kind of create value on top of that. And so Telia has been able to kind of leverage that um, and, and basically find ways to offer new products and services, uh, leveraging the Turbine platform from Unicast to kind of open that up to potential new customers. So they talk about use cases with Telia um, around things like, um, so they've got this thing called the Telia City Vitality Insights which is powered by by the program, so it's things like um, you know smart cities, government type of planning, uh, journey analysis, you know to understand traffic flow patterns in a city, um, you know that can help uh, optimize public transportation routes and you know things like that, um, you know or looking just at people movements and you know what that means for road planning or cycling planning or you know where to have garbage cans or all those kinds of things is how Telia is kind of leveraging this in terms of the data that they have. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's super fascinating. I think it's, it's great work and um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a ton to add from what you've already talked about, but what I do love about this story is that we've seen so many um, location data companies 
pulling out of Europe. And I love that Unicast is going into Europe and saying, hey, we can do this. We're leveraging the data that's available. That's rightfully, you know, our clients and, and we're going to you know, help them make sense of it and obviously grow revenue there. So I think that's a great value proposition. And, you know, it's, I, I look forward to hearing more how other companies are going to use this because obviously this is like a very specific use case for Telia. But as you can imagine, I'm sure the different implementation um, usefulness of this type of a platform is going to skew greatly um, across different industries. So we'll keep an eye out and see what happens here soon. Yeah. So there you go. So that's our show for this week. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories. As always, if you have uh, feedback, uh, story ideas, criticism, praise, whatever it is, uh, we're here to hear it all and take it in. Um, and uh, if you're watching the video uh, version of this, uh, our contact information is at the, on the screen at the end. Uh, if not, you can easily find us on all the major social media platforms out there. Uh, you've been listening to episode number 431 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, we will be back next week with yet another show for you and some more interesting news. So thanks for listening and watching, everybody. Have a great week. Bye.